Hello, my friends. It's your buddy Phil here, Project Management Training Coach. Today, we are covering day three's homework in the 40 days of PMP exam success. I asked you 20 questions. So why don't we jump straight in and take a look at what those 20 questions are. For those of you that are joining the program newly, make sure you hit these links such as this. You will not find this on the main page where you've got the other videos. So take quizzes like this. And by main page, I'm talking about the projectmanagementdoctor.com forward slash 40 day plan. So let's take a look at day three questions. Number one was, how can a servant leader support team performance? A servant leader can support team performance by thinking about environmental, mental, and moral support of the team, impediment removal, being a diversion shield, promoting the intelligence of others, and putting yourself out there, right? Taking a hit for the team. This is how you can support their performance. When management is about to bully on them, that's when you put yourself out there and say, okay, I'm going to take the hit. Whatever I need to do to divert this unnecessary attention and attack, I'm going to do it. Number two, explain how team members should be appraised against KPIs. So the general idea is to use metrics that matter. Use metrics that actually make sense. The PMBOK Guide 7th edition is a good look at some of the pitfalls when it comes to KPIs and metrics. You know, we've got a domain in the seventh edition, which is called the measurement domain. I want to just open up real quick to the measurement aspect under the domains. I just want to read something really quickly for you, if I can find it. Oh, and that's under two point see where that is. Again, it's the seventh edition. And let me locate the page. Here we go. What is that page? So the narrative begins from page 93 in part two, you know, the Pembroke guide seventh has two parts. So it's, you know, kind of uh, tricky to find the page you're looking for, but it's on 93 in part two. And it says key performance indicators. This is page 95 I'm reading now. It says KPIs for projects are quantifiable measures used to evaluate the success of a project. There are two types of indicators, leading indicators and lagging indicators. So those are definitions that are good to know. Page 97 goes into the importance of using smart uh, KPIs. Talks about things that you could measure, deliverable metrics, delivery, baseline performance, resources, business value, stakeholders, forecasts. Those are good. And then we have things we call deliverable metrics. We have baseline performance, and then we get into resources. So we've got planned utilization compared to actual utilization, things like that. And then we get to stakeholders and some of the metrics we have here are like the net promoter score, mood chart, things like that. Under business value, we have some metrics such as cost benefit ratio, benefit cost ratio, ROI, MPV, and so on. And then it gets into forecasts. And there's another one here, which is morale. This is actually on page 104. So uh, since mood boards can be subjective, another option is to measure project team morale, you see. So when we talk about being appraised, we're not talking about being judged. We're just trying to understand where the team is. And then we have other ones like forecasting metrics and uh, all that kind of stuff. Right. So if you keep reading, you will get to page 112. And this is where we talk about 
certain metrics, in other words, think KPIs as well, um, where we need to be aware of how we measure what we measure. This part is called measurement pitfalls. It reads on page 111, awareness of these pitfalls can help minimize their negative effect. We've got the Hawthorne effect, and that states that the very act of measuring something influences behavior. So be careful what you're measuring. If you read in our book, Roy talks about a team that was measuring the wrong thing and what the result was, bad behaviors. We have vanity metrics. A vanity metric is a measure that shows data but does not provide useful information. We don't want those KPIs. We have demoralization. If measures and goals are set that are not achievable, project team morale may fall. And then we have misusing the metrics. You know, one of the examples is abusing the use of velocity and capacity, using them wrongly to judge teams. All right, and then we have confirmation bias. As humans, we tend to look for and see information that supports our pre-existing point of view. This can lead to a false interpretation of data. So this whole thing about KPI is a very touchy subject and you gotta be careful what you're measuring, especially when it comes to the team. Remember, this is the people domain. Now, even though we're in the people domain, it does not negate talking about metrics because KPIs could be misused. All right, you get the idea. I hope that gave you more to think about. Let's go to the third question. How are team members assessed in an agile environment? Team members are assessed by themselves and they are assessed in a transparent fashion. So we have retrospectives, we have dailies, the daily scrum. That is another opportunity to inspect and adapt and assess where we're at, what we're doing, how we're doing it. Transparency, not velocity, is what we're looking for. So we're not trying to assess the team based on, oh, how much did you get done? No. We want to be transparent about how team members are being assessed. But the better thing is to assess at the team level as opposed to assessing at the individual level, you let the individual team members do that for themselves and you let the team do it for itself as a whole in the world of Agile. Next, could velocity and capacity be used as benchmarks to measure team performance? Uh, it could in ignorant companies, but this is an anti-pattern and it's not a good practice. Number five, what is the best way to give feedback to a team if you're someone in senior management? Well, if you are someone in senior management, my advice would be a posture of servant leadership still, one in which you are serving whoever you are giving that feedback to. But then you need to tailor it according to the culture and the team. I would recommend giving feedback out of the public eye for unsatisfactory performance or touchy issues I would say in full view of the firm and other teams when the feedback is great and when the team has done something awesome. You've got to give them that pat on the back. You've got to catch them doing something good and give them kudos. Number six, explain how performance improvements, let's go back. Explain how performance improvements could be verified in an agile environment. So you could do this in a number of ways. You could verify performance improvements through retrospectives, just the very art of being empirical in your approach, empiricism, good data collection and analysis practices, and leveraging expert judgment whenever you're in doubt. Number seven, explain how performance 
improvements could be verified in a predictive environment. So in a predictive environment, you could harness lessons learned. You could use reporting to verify that there have been improvements in performance. You could use reports. You could use reviews. Number eight, be sure to take the Myers-Briggs drag and drop exercise. Here's the link. If you have not been to this page, put it down. Projectmanagementdoctor.com forward slash free PMP course. When we talk about these indicators, something that comes to mind is Myers-Briggs. Definitely make sure you're familiar with that entire topic, okay? So take that drag and drop quiz. Next, we have explain the five stages of team development, the Tuckman ladder. This is in 4261. And we're talking about the seventh edition, I believe, 4261. I'm going to read what is here for you. And I'm not definitely not advocating that you go spending time reading the whole thing. What we're doing here is enough. All right. So we have forming, storming, norming, performing, and adjourning. And that's why I say FSNPA. Forming is where the team forms. Everyone's trying to be all good, doesn't want to show bad behaviors. Then storming happens and you got to start addressing work together. You're jockeying for position. And this is where we see people's personality, strength, and weaknesses start to come out. Then we get to norming. The team starts to function as a collective body. They begin to normalize, and then you get to performing optimum, right? And lastly, you have the adjourning stage where you do not want to disperse as a team. Not good. We've talked about this in a previous day. Number 10, explain the drexler Sibbet team performance model. This is in 4262. So if you just turn the page over, you see the next model. So let's talk about it. What exactly is it? Let's read what PMI says. Alan Drexler and David Sibbett developed a team performance model with seven steps. Steps one to four describe the stages in creating a project team, and step five through seven cover project team sustainability and performance. Now, I'm not telling you you're going to get a Drexler Sibbett question. I'm just saying that it makes sense understanding what these folks have been up to. For 10 years, they refined a comprehensive model of team performance that shows the predictable stages involved in both creating and sustaining teams. So let's take a look at what these gents came up with. Well, the very first one is orientation. Orientation answers the question of why. In this stage, the project team learns the purpose and the mission of the project. You know, where there's no vision, people perish. There needs to be a vision. People need to understand the why. That's part of orientation. Next, you need trust. Trust answers the question of who is on the project. Who are you? It's a good question. Who am I working with? Right? It can also include information about key stakeholders who may not be part of the project team but can influence the project team. Next is the goal. When you understand who's working with you, get goal clarification. This answers the what. In this stage, the project team elaborates the high-level project information. And this may include finding out more about stakeholder expectations, requirements, assumptions, deliverables, and so on. Then we get into the commitment. The commitment is all about the how. In this stage, the project team starts to define plans to achieve the goals. This can include milestone schedules, release plans, high-level budgets, resource needs, and so forth. Now, a skilled individual already thinks about the five W's and the H. You should be thinking about these all the time, whether you are in the world of agile or in the world of predictive or even hybrid. You should think about these things. But the good thing about this model is it makes it more intentional and makes you focus 
on these things so that the team can better optimize, get to that optimum performance. Now, on the second part of this, the last three, as PMI mentioned in the PMBOK guide, page 167, it says steps five through seven cover project team sustainability and performance. So we have the implementation. These are high-level plans decomposed into greater levels of detail. And we have things like a detailed schedule backlog. The team starts working together to produce deliverables. And as you're doing this, you need to understand the who, what, when, and where. This is where you really need to focus on how it's all going to come together. That's the implementation. Next one here, we have high performance, and we call this the wow, and lastly, the renewal. So let's talk about the high performance first. High performance is after the team has worked together for some time, team members reach a high level of performance. They work well together. They don't need much oversight. And that again, maps smack dab on the five stages of team development where the team is performing. So you see some similarities and you could probably overlap them. One brings out what you need to do to go more smoothly and more speedily through the forming and storming. So forming things like your orientation and your trust building, those are going to help you when you hit storming. So it's good to spend time upfront in the orientation and trust building, and that helps you when you're looking at the five stages of team development to get to norming. You wanna to get to norming and ultimately, you wanna to get to performing as quickly as possible. So if you spend less time in the storming stage and the norming stage, get to performing quick, it will be as a result of you doing steps one, two, and three in the Drexler-Sibbett model. Last but not least, we've got renewal. Renewal here, it says, it's a stage of working through changes on the project team or the project. The deliverable stakeholders environment, project team leadership, or team membership may change. This causes a project team to consider if past behavior and actions are still sufficient, or if the project team needs to go back to a previous stage. Sounds familiar? Just like the five stages where things happen in cycles, you bring someone new in, then you're going back. But instead, this is a renewal of, should we continue? Should we continue what we're doing? Let's reset expectations and let's work together still with a renewed sense of commitment. Number 11 in the questions asks, give examples of how team member performance can be recognized. So think about it. How would you like to be recognized in your company? Well, you've got the employee of the month. You've got plaques, gift cards, the pat on the back, kudos or thumbs up, recognition, and other rewards. Number 12, what is the role of a project manager in Agile? where the team is concerned. So think about that. Role of the project manager. Well, the agile practice guy tells you it's a bit of an unknown, but be ready to be a servant leader. Go from being the center to a servant. So go from being the center of attention, like on a traditional project, to being a servant. Think about service, whatever that looks like. Next question. How can management support team performance? in an agile environment. Give the, the team the environment and support they need. Trust them to get the job done. That's a direct lift from the agile uh, manifesto. Allow failure, allow people to fail forward, fail fast, fail often, learn from their failures, make it a safe space and don't shoot the messenger. A lot of companies, you got senior management that are just disgruntled and upset when they get bad news. Don't do that. To support team performance, 
allow the team to fail, let them learn, nurture them. You know, on your exam, when you get questions, it's not going to be asking you to fire the team. It's going to be asking you to mentor, train, coach, build a team. That's how you deal with failure. Next one, number 14, which agile principles espouse the concept of supporting team performance? Well, believe it or not, there's quite a number of them. Deliver working software frequently from a couple of weeks to a couple of months with a preference to show the timescale. Think about that. It's talking about performance here. It's talking about the timescale. It's talking about the frequency of delivery. That's performance. This one says build projects around motivated individuals, give them the environment and support they need, and trust them to get the job done. That's performance. The most efficient and effective method of conveying information to and within a development team is face-to-face -face conversation. What are we talking about? Team performance. Effectiveness. That word, team performance. Working software is a primary measure of progress. Again, progress, team performance. Agile processes promote sustainable development. That's performance. The sponsors, developers, and users should be able to maintain a constant pace indefinitely. You see that? Constant pace. We're talking about performance here. Continuous attention to technical excellence and good design enhances agility. We're talking about technical excellence. Team performance. Simplicity, the art of maximizing the amount of work not done, is essential. Maximizing work not done. It's a reverse thinking thing, but it makes you pay attention to where your focus needs to be. Maximizing what you don't do, not maximizing what you do do. You see, it's lean performance. That's what we're thinking. Whatever you do, make sure it is absolutely essential. We talk about the just barely good enough mindset. That's exactly what we're talking about here. That helps you be a high performer. The best architectures, requirements, and designs, the best. You see that word, the best? We're talking about performance. All right. And lastly, at regular intervals, the team reflects on how to become more effective, then tunes and adjusts its behavior accordingly. How to become more, you see that word again, effective. We've seen that word effective a couple of times. This, my friends, is how you need to be thinking. When you're talking about supporting team performance, you've got to create the environment. And part of creating the environment is all of this agile stuff we're looking at. All right, let's go on to number 15. Discuss the concept of giving feedback to a team. Well, the basic concept is feedback is needed for growth. So if you are reluctant to give feedback to your team, well, don't you want them to grow? Do you want them to stay in the same position? Well, giving feedback to a team on the management side, we need to have a positive mental attitude about feedback, not doing it in a draconian way to beat them over the head, but we're doing this to help the team, to help them grow, affirmation, give them direction, expansion, even recalibration. You know, we talked about the renew stage in Drexler Sibbet. Well, this is where we can recalibrate. Think about, hmm, we're on the right track. Oh, we are. Well, thank you for letting us know. Feedback. Doing it in a collaborative fashion. The next one says, which process in the PMBOK guide deals with team feedback. It's managed team. That's where the team gets feedback, all right? Next one here says, which process deals with working with stakeholders to support team performance? And the answer is managed stakeholder engagement because you're working with the team, you're working with stakeholders, and you're communicating with stakeholders, and that's the best one for that. Moving on, number 18. So I've got a couple of things here, actually three things. Which KPIs are most inspiring to team morale, least damaging, 
and most valuable to the firm. The question is, what do you think? It's very subjective, but when we talk about most inspiring to team morale, it's one that is productive. It's one that is constructive. We could look at the KPI and get an idea of truly where we're at as a team and what we could do better. It just opens the gateway of good thinking. And which ones are the least damaging? Those that have smart goals attached to them and those that don't call out a particular individual, see? And most valuable to the firm, those that focus all about outcomes, not just value and benefits, but metrics that really focus on the outcomes. So in all the benefits that we identified, how many of them have we realized? See, overarching outcome. What is the general disposition of the end user populace? See that? So here we just have some answers, group accomplishments, right? Those that are smart goals, those that are sensible and achievable KPIs, and those that are more about value while respecting the team. Number 19, explain how burn down charts can be used to enhance team mindset and performance, seeing how much you've done. So explain how burn down charts, let me take that again because this is a, a little bit out of whack. Explain how burn down charts can be used to enhance team mindset and performance. So the answer is what you see there. The first answer is seeing how much you've done. And that's better. So let's go through it one more time. So how burn down charts can be used to enhance team mindset and performance is the burn down charts. It helps you see how much you have done. Whether you're talking about burn ups, burn downs, you just, just turn it the other way around. Same thing. You know, I'm not really all about seeing how much you have left versus how much you've done. They're both important. So seeing how much you've done is a good thing. And not only could you do that with a burn up, you can also, when you're educated on how to use a burn down, yeah, you, you can appreciate how many story points have been done. Moving on, the second bullet here is understanding why what was or was not achieved. Why did we achieve what we did? Why didn't we achieve? So it's not enough to look at a burn chart. You also wanna look at the flatlining you also want to look at the incredibly steep gradients to understand why did that happen? These could all be used to enhance team mindset. Wow, if we could do that, just as a result of us getting this information or this impediment being removed, then, and you can make some positive conclusions from whatever you've seen. Number three, seeing the work as the team's work and not as individual work. After all, no one says, those five story points on Thursday those all mine. No one says that. It's a poor mindset. But if you look at group teamwork, brilliant. Just seeing the great things that were done, it's inspiring. And knowing the story behind flatlining, crazy gradients, or otherwise. All right. Move into the final one. Number 20. Which Agile Manifesto principle deals with team well-being and life balance? So. There's one in particular I was looking for you to dig out. And that one is Agile Processes Promote Sustainable Development. The sponsors, developers, and users should be able to maintain, I'm gonna expand on it. The sponsors, developers, and users should be able to maintain a realistic constant pace that does not kill any team members 
or give them a heart attack because you're putting in so many overtime hours during the weekend indefinitely. It's this one. This is where you understand that the team are human and you're not looking for them to do the impossible just to satisfy someone. No, our mindset needs to be one of realism. Is this realistic or not? All right. So my friends, we have come to the end of day three. I know it looks like the homework is a lot. I know it looks like the work is a lot. Well, guess what? It's the PMP. It is the most in demand certification in the world. You got to keep your eye on what you're trying to do, my friends. I think a lot of you have forgotten the end goal. Your end goal is not just to get PMP certified. Your end goal is for you to begin to influence in leaps and bounds in great ways. It's for you to begin to affect your company. Also for some of you, I dare say it's for you to begin to affect the bottom line, your salary level, right? So don't get all despondent and mad when I'm giving you all this work to do. I have to give you a decent amount of work for you to learn this humongous amount of content. It just comes with the territory, <laughs> okay? All right. Now, in closing, I really wanna make sure you've got the page where all of this stuff is. If you have not downloaded the 40-day plan, and you're not following the plan, let me encourage you, go on down to the link in the chat. I'm gonna put the link in the chat and I'm gonna do my best to put the link in the uh, conversation and the description. Let's go on down to that page. This is where you need to go. All right, right over here, 40 days to PMP exam success. That is the plan. Let me make it bigger. Okay, you see this big old breakdown here. Okay, each day is accounted for. So this is day three, right? We're almost on hidden 10%. It's not bad. We've made, covered some ground. Today, also read 9.4, develop team, 9.5, manage team, and then read chapters four and five in the Agile Practice Guide on page 93 if you haven't already under the resource area. A lot of this stuff is under resource management. So when you're reading uh, these days where I highlight page 93, that's really the one I want you to hit the most because resource is huge. If you didn't already know, everything regarding people in the PMBOK guide, pretty much under the resource area and stakeholder areas. And then in the agile practice guide, pretty much page four and five. You got to know these really, really well. All right. If you haven't already gotten the book, go on down to any of these links. Just click on one of these links and it'll take you straight there. That if you want a hard copy, uh, could take longer to arrive, but you could very well go on down to uh, this website and purchase a hard copy. But if you want to get rocking and rolling, just hit that link, and then you can go straight to our provider and download the book immediately. All right? And every day, like I told you, there's going to be homework. There's going to be reading. You know, for today, it's reading the immersion book, chapter three. And hopefully you did that. And this makes a lot more sense to you. All right, my friends, going to hop off here. We've got some exciting news to announce soon. Those of you on our other programs, on the masterclass, on the immersion chillouts, those of you who are subscribed and registered members, because it's two things, right? You got to be a registered member on YouTube, right? For that, 
there's an additional step you need to take. Just look on our channel. But if you fall into any of those categories, we're going to be inviting you to our Crazy on Masterclass dailies. And those dailies, we are running them like a daily scrum. You will learn so much just from the good behaviors, the avoidance of anti-patterns. You want to be in those. There's going to be an announcement soon. We're starting on Monday every single day, every day. For the next 40 days, we're going to do these like sprints. So the intent is to have three sprints. We're going to use people as our PSI, process as our PSI, and business as our PSI. And at the end of each iteration, there's a test at the back of the book. We're going to do that test. And in order for it to fly in our demos or our reviews, we need to get, a, we need to get at least in the 90s. So we're going to challenge each other. You're going to meet like-minded individuals, other project managers coming along for the ride. And we're really going all out on this stuff. This is, at this point, it's not just PMP anymore. It's getting to be a better project manager. All right. So if you've enjoyed the content that I've shared with you, my friends, I want you to smash that like button. I want you to put this on social. I want you to share with your friends. And I want us to create some traction for massive action so that you can get certified for your satisfaction. Let's do it. I'll speak to you tomorrow, my friends. Take care. Bye for now.